your one-stop shop for guitar, tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. Yeah, pretty good. Thanks. Yeah, pretty good. Bearing up with the uh, the onslaught of the winter weather. Well, yeah, I had COVID last week, so I've been out of action a bit, but uh, nice. back on the straight and narrow now, so that's good. That's that's jolly good to hear. <laughs> yes, it's been darn cold. Funnily enough, it's called the Kraken, the new variety of COVID. Really? Which, uh, yeah, <laughs> just like my amp. Just like your new amp. Yeah, there you go. Super oh. Kraken. That'll be the next one. Yeah, yeah. I think we're all all huddled in our homes. I've got my hat on, and uh, yeah, yeah, none of us could afford to heat them. <laughs> well, our, our last lesson was the same day that the news broke about Jeff Beck, wasn't it? And so, oh man, yeah, that's not good, is it? Not good at all. None of us feel good about that. What a loss! What a loss! Do you know what? If somebody asked me, it's a mate of mine called Jonathan Lodge, who's an immense acoustic guitar player. So if you're listening, John, hiya. Great player, John. He's fantastic. Electric's not his thing. Acoustic is really his thing. And we had a long, a lengthy, long conversation on Facebook about about Jeff Beck. Yep. And I was saying, considering what was out there at the time, although there were some very good albums out there at the time, my introduction to Jeff Beck was his late 80s offering called Guitar Shop. Yes. And it was so different it was so like left of field for a guitar album at the time mm. amongst sort of so many instrumental albums and albums you know sort of featuring the neoclassical vibes like sort of where people had copied Ingve and Jeff Beck's guitar shop was just amazing to me yeah I just you know I just couldn't, couldn't kind of take it off my my Walkman at the time mm. and after listening to that you know, you listen to things like Bex Bolero, Cause We Ended As Lovers. Um, it gets us all in the end from the Flash album. And then you've got some of the later stuff like Angel Footsteps, where he's definitely a guitar, but it doesn't sound like a guitar. He had this way of serving up the guitar in such an interesting way. Yet his rig was so simple. Andy Wood called it rubbery. Well, his sound. Yeah, yeah, like I think the whammy. Yeah, his, his his trem arm work. If 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 it's ever a good any description, I think if any out of you out there enjoy stuff using a trem, and you want to tidy up your trem abilities, have a go at where were you? Oh, brilliant song! It's it's ridiculous, quite frankly, what this man does with the tremolo and how good his intonation is with it, and he does it live. If you don't believe me, watch Ronnie Scott's. Oh. There's a there's a live at Ronnie Scott's. You know, what a loss. Yeah, real loss. Real loss. And we talked uh, about uh, doing some rhythm work. So Yeah, so let's get into that. We had to talk about Jeff Beck a bit. I looks like the elephant in the room, otherwise, if mm. you don't, isn't it? I mean, 
I, I don't think I felt that rubbish at somebody famous dying since Eddie Van Halen passed away. Yeah, I feel, I feel the same. Tom Petty as well. Yeah, there's, there's the thing is we remember these people at their prime. Yeah. Um, sometimes we forget that, you know, Jeff Beck was like 78. Yep. Like my mum's age. <laughs> yeah. And still going out there, still had a tour booked, still ready to go out and play. Chris Green in America, I only saw him a couple of weeks ago, I think. Really? Well, obviously a month ago now. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So let's get into this rhythm playing stuff, folks. But yeah, take heed of our words. Listen to some Beck. Yeah, definitely. Do it. What were you uh, planning? Well, I think our discussions sort of before we were thinking of talking about rhythm. Yes. Uh, seeing as this is where us guitarists spend what, 80% of our time or more. Mm. You know, we spend a load of time working on solos and we all do it. Yeah. But actually, rhythm playing is one of those things that often gets left behind. And rhythm playing covers a, m- a multitude of things as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. From great riffs down to interesting chords, how you might sort of read the rhythm, I know, is something you've been working on recently. Yeah, yeah. And uh, maybe for the benefit of folks out there, would it benefit us to engage in a little light theory to start with, do you think? Yeah, I think that's a good plan. have been working through a program called Earmaster. They're not sponsoring us or anything, but uh, I just think it's a great program, so I'm going to shout about it a little bit it's a a kind of all-encompassing ear program so there's lots of different things you can work on including recognizing intervals scales melodies things like that but the area i've been finding really amazing is uh, the rhythm section where it's called reading rhythms and you click on it and then you work through well essentially a load of different exercises and slowly build up to more complicated rhythms i'm on like exercise 11.6 and it's breaking up 16th notes and stuff like that and it's becoming quite challenging have to do it quite slow mm-hmm. but you can change the speed on it now the thing i found amazing was the fact that you can uh, if you've got decent interface for your guitar most people have got something i'm using my thr 10c and i'm plugging my guitar straight into that then there's a latency setting on the program so i had to fiddle around with that and got it to about 80 milliseconds Uh, and then i just dampen all the strings and use the guitar to um play the rhythm so that kind of thing okay and uh what's brilliant about this program is it recognizes where you're hitting the note so you can see straight away if you're hitting before the, the beat Mm-hmm. on the note after the note or if you're missing notes and you're taking read rhythms uh, off the pat you can put your own rhythms in if you muck around with it a little bit more so yeah that's been really good for me actually so i think maybe for those folks who've not had a background in any kind of musical theory i think it might be useful for them if we really backtrack they might have got this far in the in the podcast and then going sixteen sixteen pence? No, hang yeah, what? Yeah. Fifty pence. Worth doing, yeah. oh, that's a rapper, hang on. Oh no, that's fifty cent. <laughs> <laughs> and they might be they might be getting confused. But I think it would be good for us to look in a very simple way at how a bar divides up. Yeah. Now if you have already covered this in your own 
findings and stuff you've looked at, then great. Maybe you can forward to a different part of the, the podcast and skip this bit. But you may find if you're new to rhythm, that this might really help you, really help you understand. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. would you mind if I gave a quick no, definitely not. example? Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll have some demonstrations in there. Let's see. Of, of how things break down. Mm. Okay. Everything in music, whether it's timing, whether it's scales, keys, whether it's rhythm, whatever it may be, always is kind of based on the most straightforward sort of version of it. Let yeah. me explain what I mean by that. If you look at a piece of music and there's nothing at the beginning of it apart from your squiggly treble clef, that's the one with the swirly middle mm. and the top and the tail, and it, it it says nothing there whatsoever. There's no sharps or flats outlined before the notes start. That means you're in the key of C. So you're playing all of the white notes on the piano. So you need to know that that's the key of C before you understand that one sharp will give you G and F sharp. Mm. B flat in the beginning after the treble clef will give you F major and so yeah. on. It's all starting with C. So it is with timings. And time signatures. Mm. Everything relates back to your good old-fashioned 4-4 four, four bar. Yeah. Now, what on earth do we mean by 4-4? Four, four? Well, let me explain something. There's a slight difference between the way we maybe explain notes in England and the way you might have heard them explained in the USA dialogue. Mm. So, in England, a one-beat note we would refer to as a crotchet. Yep. You might often hear it maybe referred to also as a quarter note. Yes. Now, which is right? Both are right. Mm. But both pertain to the simple beginnings of there being four beats in a bar. Now, you and I know you can have a number of different beats in a bar. Yeah. We can have odd time signatures, but it always goes back to the simplest, most basic four beats in a bar. One, two, three, four. Yeah. So when we've got four notes of equal length in a bar, in a four-four bar, each one represents one quarter of that bar. Yeah. Hence, it's called a quarter note. Yeah. But in England... We don't make it nice and simple. We call it a crotchet. Which might make more sense, though, if you've got a 3-4 bar. If you call it a quarter note. Then it could confuse it people. Can be this is why it's useful knowing both angles. Yeah. And then, of course, we have the English phrase crotchety. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. irritated. It's an irritated note. Or crotch. Yeah, well. No. Crotchet. <laughs> Warned <laughs> Gary before. <laughs> so that be a one-beat note, a quarter note. Now, if we go up to the next division, we're always going to divide evenly. Yeah. And it's always going to be divisible by four. Yeah. 
So if we divide four notes in half, and we have the same four beats in the bar, but each note is now worth half a beat, yeah. we've got double the amount of notes in the bar, but they don't last as long. Yeah. So we've now got eight half beats. Yeah. These are referred to as quavers or eighth note. So if I was doing a 4-4 bar, it would look something like this. So a 4-4 bar, like this. If I'm still in a 4-4 bar, but we divided the notes in half, so they're eighth notes, it's like this. The bar length has remained the same. Yeah. The amount of notes has doubled because we have halved each one and the time of each note has reduced. Yeah. We can then do the same again. So we take a quarter note or one beat note and we divide it again. So we get semiquavers. These are called 16th notes. Yeah. So that means each one beat note is divisible by four. Well, here's quarter notes. <laughs> Here's eighth notes. Here's sixteenth notes. Yep. Okay. Now these are the basic mechanics of rhythm. Now you can obviously get faster things like a flick of the wrist as far as the guitarist is concerned, where you might get 30-second notes. Yeah, yeah. So this is now cramming an awful lot. Eight notes into the space one of one beat. Note, yeah, thirty-two yeah. notes into a bar. Yeah, so I mean, a bar of that sort of speed, you're virtually tremolo picking out. Yeah. So what a rhythm basically is is any kind of division mm. of our note. These are the basics. So remember that you can have notes which are played staccato. Yeah. So they are the same length, but they are clipped off. So instead of this, you get... Yep. There's almost a little pause after each one. Yeah. So you can get staccato notes. In music, you'd have rests written out to describe that, wouldn't you? Or, well, if or so, you might if say staccato. Staccato well. is a dot above the notes. Yeah which will denote that it's a staccato or a short, sharp rhythm. But you can also have notes that last half as much again. Yeah, um, tied notes and dotted notes. And, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But these are the basics of rhythm. So even at its most basic, it's good to know how to play maybe a note which is a one-beat rhythm, so a quarter-note rhythm, an eighth-note rhythm, a 16th note rhythm, and then how we're going to bring that all together. Yeah. And maybe have different parts within the bar. Yeah. So you might have a section where there's 16th notes, a section where there's eight notes, and a section where there's single beat notes. Brings me on to the other thing I've been practicing, which is that, you know, the spidery gym thing. Yeah. So you can maybe use that to rehearse rhythms as well. But I saw... I think it was a YouTube, and I thought, oh, I'll do a bit more of this. So, where you play every note, and you can... Oh, you go quickly. But then there's actually... 
for every two fingers there's two last fingers as well so there's a number of patterns that you can do and I've been trying to play the whole thing mm. and stuff but that's quite a good way of practicing rhythms as well because you can stick a metronome on and rehearse tension or something like that but practice rhythm at the same time yeah I've been enjoying that actually because you talked to me a bit about tension before mm. and so I've been trying to concentrate on sort of relaxing down a little bit into relaxing it. the left hand so I'm not playing too hard and it seemed like playing something repetitive like the what they call it the spider gym I think don't they out there was a good way of doing that mm-hmm. and then I can keep the rhythm focus as well does that make sense all of that? yeah yeah cool so where do our funky rhythms come from ah and our reggae rhythms Offbeats. Right. So yeah. what's an offbeat? It's a beat having a bad day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to play. Right. An off an offbeat is a beat which falls in between the beats. Oh, so hard yeah. work, isn't it? Confused.com. Yeah. So what we mean by that is let's say we've got our four quarter notes in the bar. One, two, three, four. Which I can play if you like. Right? Please do. So one. Right, now we're going to add something in between each beat to help us count. We're going to add an and. Yep. So essentially we're counting twice for each beat. We're going to go one and two and three and four and. Do you want me to play the and? Please do. One and two and three and four and. Now when you're playing on the offbeat, what it basically means is you're playing on the beat which is in between the beat. Yeah. Which sounds very confusing. So you're playing on the and... Rather than the one, two, three, four. Yeah. For example, say I... I'm going to use real chords and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Say I had four chords in a bar. I could play on the beat. Yeah. I could play off the beat. Now, you can't hear any difference. Yeah. Until it's up against the music. But let me count. One and two and three and four and one, two and three and four and one and two and three and four and that's on the beat. Yep. Let's play off the beat. One and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and. And what I find myself doing quite a lot because it's natural for me to use down and up strokes. Yeah. Um, although I don't mind the whole chugging thing. Yeah. Sometimes. I find I use maybe more upstrokes than some people do in their rock rhythm. I don't know. I know a lot of people, it's all chug-tastic. Because I know if I've got something maybe more fast or more complex to play, I'll use down and up. Yep. So... What you can do, let's say your downbeats at a moderate pace there are literally downstrokes. One, two, three, four. One and two and three and four and one and two and three and four. And in between every stroke, you've got to return your hand to the up position so yeah. it's ready to down strike on the beat of the next note. Yeah. So what about just, just play the downstroke but without touching the strings. Yeah. And then actually touch the strings with the upstroke. 
some of it will obviously yeah. depend on the sound you want. If you're playing reggae, for instance, you might find you like the sound of those high strings. You might like the sound of going up. Whereas you might find if you're playing a more regular rhythm where you, you want to hear the full chord. I'm just playing C, F and G there. I was actually using all downstrokes. Again, I had a faux stroke yep. followed by one where you can hear the chord. So even right there is a little bit of a, a taste of what you could do. Yeah. So hearing that stroke, that's something else. Now, it may depend on if you're playing a song for you mm. or if you're playing a song that you know. So it needs to be played a certain way for it to be authentic. Yeah. Or it could be, you know, you're working for a musical director or someone else in a band who's got their song and they've decided how it goes. And, you know, you might need to add something in, like a, like a percussive hit like that yeah. that you didn't before, or you need to miss it out. Yeah. So sometimes it's, it's good to be able to do it both ways. I find my right hand, when it comes to rhythm, is a bit like a metronome. Yeah. Now, if I've got this going on... This, yeah. this yeah. is a constant. It's just what I choose to actually hold down yeah. in the chord department so I can hear. Now, I could do it, and I could miss out those in-between mutes. So you notice my hand's coming higher. Yeah, still... Missing the strings entirely to yep. sort of save us hearing that in between. Yep, yep. yep. So you can devise your exercises at home really, really easily, or you could use something like your ear training program. Yeah, yeah. Depending on how confident you feel, maybe. Yeah. And whether you feel that what you're doing is getting you to where you want to be. Stay tuned for more episodes, jams, improvisation ideas and well-informed thoughts about amps, pedals and guitar tone. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud or see our website on tunein-toneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs and further research and resources. It's also a good place to get in touch. We hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and as useful as I do and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Hey.